Hello, and welcome to another virtual author chat at the Poison Pen Bookstore. I'm John Charles, and today the Poison Pen is delighted to have with us author Anne Clare, whose new book is Dead in Gondola. Before we begin, I do want to let those listening in know that the Poison Pen does have copies of this wonderful new series launch, and we would be happy to put one in the mail to you or hold one for you to pick up. Just give us a call or go online to the Poison Pen Bookstore, and we can connect you with what I think is one of the best books of the year. Now, I'd like to welcome in. Thank you so much. Oh, what a sweet introduction. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us virtually. I'm always fascinated by authors because I think most of them don't just spring out of nowhere. They have a past. So how does someone who started out mapping the world start plotting books? Because you do have a background in geography, don't you? I do. <laughs> yeah, geography or geology. Geography, geography. Okay. Um, it's a little bit like the character in my book, and, and I'm not writing myself in the book, but um, I grew up in a small town on a farm in Pennsylvania, and then when I went to college, I just happened into a geography class mm -hmm. and became fascinated with places, and that's one thing I love about books. You can go all sorts of places and, and travel and see different people in different worlds. And so you decided you wanted to become a writer at some point. What was that like? What was your path to publication like for Dead in Gondola? I did. I've been writing books for some years and I have like probably, hopefully, <laughs> maybe most authors, I have some that were never published. And then I published two cozy series before this, but Dead in Gondola it combines what I love about cozy mysteries and traditional mysteries. Like I, lo I love the setting. It's my personal little fantasy land to be in a, a book, a bookshop, a historic bookshop up in the mountains and access it by gondola. So I tossed in all my favorite things. And that was, the, it was actually the setting since you brought up geography that spurred the idea of it. I wanted a bookshop and I wanted a new setting and, and they, that, that came together and that hopefully picks characters that matched or were, were good in that setting. How, um, what can you tell us about the book without giving away too much of the plot for those mm. interested? Well, um, it features two sisters. Their their last name is Christy, and to their great lament, they don't they can't find any genealogical tie to their favorite author, who is Agatha Christie. Mm. Um, they have just become co-caretakers of their family's historic bookshop. It's the main character who's the the voice of the book. She's come home after many years abroad and she's really excited. It's a new chapter, but being that this is a, a mystery, things happen, a murder. And um, they, when I, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, then they have to call on their inner Miss Marples. They sub their, their special skill is reading mysteries. They know mysteries. So this is their, this is how they start solving the crime. Now, when I first heard the title, this is because I'm from Arizona where we're mm -hmm. practically flat in most of the state. When I hear gondola, I think Venice, but gondola is actually something different for you. I did worry about that. And one of my best friends is in South Texas and I quizzed her. I said, what do you think when you think gondola? And yeah, it's mostly Venice. So um, the artist was really great with the cover. They put the little gondola on there and we, we talked up snow. But um, I'm talking about the ski gondolas, your own little glass carriage that goes up and down the mountains in ski areas. And I just love riding them. And I thought, well, wouldn't that be a great place to, to find a body or have a murder? It's this, these little glass tubes that go up and down, up and down. In many ways, Dead in Gondola is not just a mystery. It's almost um, a 
wonderful homage to Agatha Christie. And that's what I enjoyed about the book. I mean, from the fact that when it opens, your characters are in a book discussion setting, reading one of Agatha Christie's mysteries, and then not to give too away, away too much, but you kind of parallel things in that book in your own book. So if readers are familiar with the Christie story, they kind of can play along. Thank you. Yeah, I had a really, when I started out, I thought, oh, I know Agatha Christie, but I realized I really don't. There's <laughs> so much I had had to read and, and it was it's really been fun to read her books and then recently I've been reading a lot about her because I realized but well, my characters know a lot about Agatha Christie and so I've been reading some wonderful nonfiction about Agatha Christie which I've just loved too. Um, the book in question in Dead and Gondola is the Sitford, Sitford Mystery. Mm -hmm. I think it's got an alternate title that I can't remember. I think it does. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, they either. did that with Christie's books between the mm -hmm. U.S. and Great Britain. Um, in some ways, you also kind of bring in a lot of the classic golden age elements because the town is snowed in. So essentially, it's a locked room mystery. Everyone's trapped. The body's found in the gondola. Mm -hmm. You get that kind of impossible crime of John Carr and things like that. Mm -hmm. Were you consciously doing that or was that just kind of subconsciously coming up in the writing? I always love uh, when I... Some of my favorite mysteries are that type of mystery where, oh, you're locked in the snowy manor. I will read any book that someone is locked in the snowy manor. I like the Sitterford mystery or um, yeah, other uh, Christie books and the classics like that. So I wanted a little bit of that and I just imagined the snowy setting and, and what went with it. How did the process of plotting come to you for this? Because I know for some writers, they just kind of let the story take them where they want. But in a mystery, especially, you have to really think about how do you plant the clues? How do you point mm -hmm. fingers at different suspects? Was this a natural fit for you in writing the book? Or did you find yourself having to go backwards and kind of re-knit sections? This, this first one, I knew, I knew what the killer was up to. And, and so then I could work from there. And um, I won't, I did go back and sprinkle things in. And I found from this book and previous books I've written, um, I have to know who the killer is. Um, I, I just have to, otherwise people ramble off in other directions. And um, I'm, I'm writing the second one right now. And I, I have had to go back and change a lot because I couldn't quite, it was the killer who's, who was just giving me fits. Like I didn't know what this person was didn't know exactly what motivated them. And I have to know that, I think. Hmm. Um, your book, um, the start of the series is marketed as a cozy mystery and it, it really does embody many of the attributes of that subgenre. How would you define cozy mysteries? What do you think are the key ingredients? I think one of the, one of the things I love about cozy mysteries and one of the key aspects I think is, is the amateur sleuth. And I love that about I love that about Ms. Marple and I love that about modern cozy mysteries. Like you can be the bookseller, you can be the hairdresser or um, elderly lady in her garden and you have that special skill to solve crimes. And I really like that about cozy mysteries. And also I've heard them um, called, um, you know, mysteries, they're not gonna, they're gonna keep you up reading hopefully, but they're not gonna terrify you at night. <laughs> they're, they're nice murders, people sometimes say. I mean, obviously it's awful, it's a murder, but it's, 
it's a cozy setting where friends and family, they work together. You know they're going to bond together and, and solve this crime. Now, many successful series, especially in the cozy genre, need some type of frame, some type of hook. Mm -hmm. If I'm reading correctly, Agatha Christie is the hook for your series. Is that correct? That, that is. Agatha Christie and books and bibliophiles. I just, um, that's another thing I love about cozy is you can go in on a special theme it's knitting or if it's food and in this time I was just imagining this bookshop and people who love books and two sisters who come from a family of booksellers and so that's my it's my cozy element I think what kinds of research was were, was involved in the book for you because I know many people think fiction just means you can make things mm -hmm. up but you have to have some facts correct um, do you have any experience in the bookstore world or is that more of your kind of dream of what you like that's always a dream I don't have much experience um, my hometown is back in Pennsylvania it's a small town up in the north of Pennsylvania and have some acquaintances friends there that own, that run a bookstore and I've been following their them for years, a small town, small bookshop, and they have two cats. That's it's a wonderful shop. But um, it also has these struggles to keep a bookshop going in a town of three thousand people mm -hmm. in northern Pennsylvania. And so I've always admired little small town bookshops, all independent bookshops, that the work they do. And one of the other kind of pillars of the book is Agatha Christie. What kinds of research did you have to do? Were you always an Agatha Christie reader? Did you come to her later in life? Um, what kind of sources did you discover? I'll say it's been later in life. Um, I always watched her films, her, <laughs> the movies. And again, I thought, I thought, oh, we know her. But okay. I, I read this uh, statistic recently it was like you could read I hope I get it right you could read a different Christie once a month and it would take you seven years and then it said well by that time you'd forget the endings and I do forget the endings so I can read and reread Agatha Christie's but I've been listening to a lot and reading a lot and um, really the most fascinating thing is learning more about Agatha Christie herself mm -hmm. through some of her autobiography and her travels around the world she's a really amazing person she was very reticent. Um, she didn't like to reveal a lot, but she really did have a lot of um, newsworthy events that occurred from her disappearance mm -hmm. to yeah. her world travels to her yeah. second marriage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't know all that before I started that book. I, I didn't know about her, yeah, her second marriage to an archaeologist, and she went on digs in the Middle East and uh, the train trips that inspired her books and yeah like you said her going missing that great mystery yeah did you discover any particular nonfiction book that you really enjoyed the most or found most useful because there is a lot of books about uh, Agatha Christie there are so many I've just oh. I really like her autobiography because it seems like and she doesn't talk about all the, the stuff like her mm -hmm. disappearance, but I like, it seems like one of those books you could just pick up and look in the middle somewhere and there's a day in Agatha Christie or there's a thought about Agatha Christie. I really enjoyed that, that I just look at it in pieces sometimes and see what she was writing about. And um, I also like, it's a, it's a different one, I think, but it, 
come tell me how you live yes mm -hmm. when she's off on the archaeology archaeological dig with her second husband and there's a first chapter where she goes shopping for uh, warm weather clothing in England in the winter and she's all she's all frustrated they're trying to sell her shorts and she doesn't like zippers zippers are this fad that she has no no time for it's just really funny um, I think you had done a piece on different sources about Christie, and mm. one of the things that I enjoyed was you also brought up there were two books that came out that were biographies of her characters, and they were originally published like yeah. decades ago, and I guess they reprinted them mm. about Miss Arpel and Poirot, kind of their own autobiographies. Yeah, I love that. What fun that would be to just delve into like what was where in Miss Marple's parlor and there's a little map of the neighborhood who was where and you can just picture where she was walking around in certain books it's great you mentioned some of her movies that was your introduction to her the television series what um would you consider to be the high points of the cinematic Christie oh. oh I'm gonna say I'm not an expert at all at this I have a friend who several friends in film studies I daren't answer um, I've just been watching, just as a, a fan, I've been watching a lot of the Poirot mm -hmm. um, pieces that come on. You can get them from YouTube and we stream them and it seems like, oh no, we're almost to the end of them. <laughs> but I, I really enjoy all the Poirots and Miss Marples. Do you have a favorite Marple? Because I know different people portrayed her. Oh, I'm horrible with names. Is it Joan Hickson? I think so. I think yeah. so. If my father sees this, he he has definite opinions and he knows them all and I should know them, but <laughs> I'm awful with names. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, your writing process. How do you approach a book? Do you always know, like for this particular series, it's going to evolve. The characters are going to move in different directions. You mm -hmm. have a big cast of secondary characters how you keep track of them in a series, mm. how do you kind of know, are you the kind of person that knows by book five, this is what's going to happen to the sisters? Mm. Oh, I wish I were that person. I always vow to be that person, just like I always, I vow a lot of things <laughs> when it comes to organization. I will outline each book and um, I do have ideas for nearby books. I, I don't have, I'm not one of those long scope. I wish I could be. Um, outliners, but I definitely will outline each book. And, and like you say, it's you do have a cast of characters in cozy mysteries and mysteries. Like there's a whole village, and so picking who gets to appear is mm -hmm. is always a challenge. And to try to to try to keep down the numbers so it's so people like me can remember the characters' names, but also have enough suspects out there. It's uh, it's something that I really think about a lot, trying to do that. Um, you have a very distinctive sense of humor. It's kind of understated, but it kind of flows through the books. You. you came up with a term called marpling, and I'm going to originate that to you. Can you kind of expand on that? <laughs> Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, the sisters, um, one of the main characters is their grandmother, who is quite Miss Marple-esque. She knits, she has fluffy white hair. Um, she she her job in the book chalet is to model cozy readings. So she sits there and she knits and she she snoozes. But like Ms. Markle, she's always she's always collecting data and information and seeing things. And I think 
like Miss Marple, people discount what women who are sitting there knitting and the cat on their lap might be might be noticing. And so Graham's marpling is just her being herself. She's always collecting information. She sees the ties between things. She notices the uncanny and the unusual and reports back to the sisters. Yeah, I think it was really kind of a nice um, kind of tip of the hat to Christie's Miss Marple because people do underestimate. They think fluffy little old lady, you know, no, mm -hmm. but your uh, character of the grandmother is actually the one who's most in touch with the younger generation. And she's the one that's doing all these kind of elements of detection that the two sisters might not be mm -hmm. in. Yeah, another character is um, the main character is Ellie and then her niece, the, the daughter of the other sister. Um, so Ellie's sister, niece, and grandmother all live together. And the grandmother and niece are like best friends from different generations is how, how I think of them. And so they teach things to each other, like how Graham knows how to use TikTok. And she's learning how to do voice messaging on her phone, which is always fraught. And so she's, she's a little bit like my own grandmother, who I grew up with for a long time and really loved. And was a great fan of books. And she was always trying new things. She would get into any trend and learn about it and was interested. And I think that's some of Graham. Um, let's go back again to Agatha Christie because that kind of is a theme in the book. Many people would argue that she is the greatest of the Golden Age mystery writers. Mm -hmm. um, I would certainly second that. There are other people who would disagree. Where do you fall on that particular spectrum? Oh, I'm going to confess again that I'm I'm not enough an expert. This is another thing I keep saying. I'm adding to my list. I'm going wow. to add, I'm going to read all these other authors too, so I have more of a span of, of where she falls. I've loved reading about her interaction in the detect what is it, the detection club and mm -hmm. and their rules of writing mysteries, and it really makes me want to read. Because for for winter, I think when I'm in between drafts, that's on my list of of books to read is. Or, or more of those old golden age mysteries. Um, what was your own personal reading life like? If you want to go back into the past, did you start out in mysteries? Did you read in other genres? Who were some of the influential authors that kind of pushed you towards becoming a writer? I think I've just always liked mysteries and I've always been a big reader. Um, I'm an only child who grew up on a farm, <laughs> on a hundred acre farm. And yeah. so I had a lot of time to read. Uh, my parents are both big readers. My my mother drew little children's books for me that, for for my family's eyes only, that kind of thing. Like they were just so a really sweet thing to have. But we were always just great big readers and big book lovers and library users. And so I, I honestly can't say. I wish I, again. I wish I could say, oh, I'm a Nancy Drew expert. But it wasn't even that. I've just always loved to read. <laughs> Do you have a book that you've gone back to time and again, one that you often reread, or are you, some people aren't rereaders? I have become a rereader of Agatha Christie, actually, oh. because I will, I'll read through them and then I'll, I'll be surprised. And then I want to see what I can pick out, how she, how she did it or where the clues were mm -hmm. in those books. So I have been rereading some of hers and it really is when I, when I see the clue, I'm like, there it was. And I, re I read right over it. So it's quite amazing to see how she did it. I think that's one of the things that people who aren't familiar with her work don't realize. They tend to dismiss her as um, being someone who just writes plain mysteries. There's nothing 
fancy or they're not literary or things like that but that's her I think her real genius because in among all those deceptively simple plot lines she plants those clues so that you're seeing it but you're not seeing it and then at the end of the book you think there it was and mm -hmm. I should I think it. that's amazing. Yeah, I think I read somewhere, maybe it was about her. It said, well, readers, or maybe she said, it. I think it was about her, but readers will deceive themselves. They'll read right across it and see what they want to see. And I think when you go back and look at what she's done, it's quite, it's fun to try to find them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, she came up with the least likely suspect. Everyone did it. No one did it. Mm -hmm. The most likely suspect. She really is quite amazing. Yeah. Do you have a favorite, Christy? I know it's hard to pick. It's so hard. And I've been thinking about this every time, every time I give a different answer. I mean, I've only done maybe three interviews, but each time I'll be like, I love that one, whatever one I'm reading. Um, I think the murder of Roger Ackroyd is so amazing. Um, interesting forum there. I can't really talk about it because I don't want to give away. I get to Christy. Um, I also loved, I just love all the Miss Marples. I like to, I like Miss Marple mm -hmm. and the, the, the Oh, and then there were nine is so. That's, yeah, it, and it shows that she could write dark. She wasn't yes. like the cozy little village mysteries. That was, yeah. I mean, it's not graphic or there's nothing gory or violent, mm -hmm. but it's not a, no. it's not a cozy by any stretch of the imagination. No, is it Crooked House? Yeah, so oh. very dark, <laughs> dark motivations, really conniving characters. She was, yeah, not just fluffy and all sweet. Now it could be coincidence or perhaps it was planning on the part of you and your publishers, but for a long time there was always this uh, marketing theme to Agatha Christie's books, A Christie for Christmas. Is that why your publisher decided to come out with Dead in Gondola right before the holidays? Oh, oh I don't know. I had recently read about A Christie for Christmas. I didn't, I, I honestly don't know if that was planned. Or if it was just the timing, but I love, I love that it's coming out this time of year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm zooming from Colorado, and it's finally snowed in my part of Colorado, so it finally feels like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wintry here. Well, you should take credit for it and use it for all it's worth as you push the book. I did, yes, yes, we did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> one of the characters I love the most is one who doesn't have a speaking role in the book, Agatha, the mm. cat. Mm -hmm. um, I know that it's kind of almost mandatory to have some kind of four-legged counterpart to the sleuths. What made you choose a cat rather than a dog? Well, I am a <laughs> I am a cat person here. I have two doors that are shutting out three cats in the background <laughs> here. Um, we had an older cat, and then we got two kittens for the pandemic. And one of the um, kittens is actually the model for Agatha, a fluffy little Siamese. But I just like the interaction you can have with pets. So mm -hmm. Characters can talk to them. The pets can give minor clues by what they're doing. I think it's just fun to have um, have them in there. Yeah, they round out the character, give them a little bit more depth and um, humanity. Um, you have been writing for a while. Um, now that you've published books, if you could go back to when you were first starting out as a writer, what advice would you give yourself? Oh boy. Oh, well, I think it's always the same advice is just to keep going, to keep writing. And I think at least with me, no matter how many, uh, well, this is going to be the, 
no matter how many books I write, there's always a point where you think, oh, <laughs> something's wrong here, I must stop, or some new idea comes up. And so I think that's the advice to myself always, is just to keep going and get to the end. And then and then address other things, sprinkle in clues or change characters or always changing their names, change your names, what have you. But I think that's the advice, just keep going. What comes easiest for you as a writer, if there is anything? Is it plotting characters, setting? Mm -hmm. And what is the most challenging? I love, I love settings. Um, I often think up settings and then then try to think of a story that fits in the setting. I really do like settings. And yeah, yeah what else comes? Plotting, plotting, I'll start off and then I, I think I need to, I'll start and then I might revise in the middle. Like I'll go through chapters and then I'll think, well, that that can't happen. We'll go on to this. But sometimes just sometimes figuring out how the sleuths figure it out, that's been very challenging because especially in this series, I want them to be more Christie-like and to have that aha, voila kind of moment. And to think of how they're gonna do that um, has been really challenging, like not encountering necessarily the killer and you know, the darkened basement or something, but figuring it out beforehand. I imagine the means of murder must also present some research challenges too. You could probably not skilled in killing off people when you're own life yeah yeah right no no research on that um it, it is hard um yeah and cozies you want it some cozies sometimes you can be very creative in cozies but it can't be it can't yeah, be gory it can't be too up close and so you want something that's going to not disrupt the story and then I'll find myself thinking, well, I bopped somebody on the head the last time. And so I'll go back and try to think up other means of murder, which um, again, Christy is so inspiring. I, there's some books that list all her means of murders. And I think that book about poisons that I was- He is for arsenic, yeah. Yeah, and it lists all her means of murders and they're quite, it's quite amazing. Like all the poisons she used, all the means, all the people she killed off. It's, she was very knowledgeable. Yeah, she worked as like, think like a pharmacist or whatever they called it in Great Britain in yeah, the pharmacy during the wars. Dispenser, yeah. So she really did know her chemistry and her poisons. She really did. Yeah, that, that's been interesting to read about too. I read a little bit about, there's a book about her poisons. It's just really fascinating. And it talks about like real life crimes that motivated her, inspired her. And even crimes that were solved because people had read her yes. books and they recognized like that's that kind of poisoning. So yeah, I think that was one of her later books that she used a poison that was difficult to trace, but someone read one of her books and put the pieces together and thought this is the same type of setup. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's amazing. <laughs> well, what's next for you as an author? You've got the first in the series. Can we expect more? Yes, I am just finishing up the second in the series. It's again, the Christie sisters and um, it's still winter, it's February. And in this one, it's a little bit different but still bookishly centered. Their cousin has started up a matchmaking service that matches people based on their bookish tastes. Oh, that's and so clever. I hope so. Yeah, I think that's a good, 
if yeah, if novel writing doesn't come up, come about, I'll just <laughs> start up a bookish matchmaking service, right? So, go. so that's been fun to think about. A little bit different, but the same cast of characters and some new characters, new bits about their family and their background. And have you selected a Christie title kind of as the frame for that, or is that something you'd prefer to keep secret? Well, I'm using, I'm bringing in various ones like last time, and uh, but one of the ones that they're thinking about sort of in the background and has connections to the plot is the mousetrap the play uh, there's oh. a, a scene involved in the theater and so so that's been fun to do that I would love to see it in person I've only watched it on video oh um yeah and I guess there's a new movie that's kind of alludes to the whole um uh, mousetrap thing I've heard that I have not been can't think of how, they all fall down? No. Uh, see how they run. I think. See how they run. Yeah. Yeah. That just came out this summer. Um, how can readers discover more about you and your books? Do you have a website? What's your relationship with social media? I do. Um, if they want to find my books, um, a great place with all the links is to go to Penguin Random House and look up Dead and Gondola, and they have great links to bookshops and all sorts of sources. I am on Instagram as my favorite social media because of, uh, again, my cats <laughs> <laughs> and books, books and cats. This is my favorite place to be in Colorado. So on Instagram, I'm Anne Claire Author. And then on Facebook, I'm Anne Claire Mysteries. I really should coordinate my names. And then I do have a website, which I keep meaning to update, but right now it's Novel Mystery. It's uh, wixsite.com. But probably best Instagram and Facebook and Penguin Random House to find in a gondola. That's great. Um, we're already um, stretching past our time limit. I can't believe how quickly it's gone by. Our guest author has been Anne Claire uh, today at the Poison Pen. Her new book is Dead in Gondola. Is there anything else you'd like to share with readers before we have to go? Well, I just really appreciate your talking with me, and I, I, I appreciate readers reading the book and considering the book. I just, I personally have this huge to be read stack and stacks of books, so <laughs> I appreciate the chance to talk about it. Well, it's a wonderful book, Dead in Gondola, and if you've finished all your Agatha Christie's, this is the next place to start. Makes the perfect gift for mystery readers. I want to thank Anne for taking time to visit Virtually the Poison Pen, and all of you for listening into another author chat at the Poison Pen Bookstore. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.